Welcome to the For the Throne Dynasty Podcast. Starring your defending champion, Randy of House Santarelli, Ryan of House Palmer, Logan of House Meyer, Tyler of House Para, Danny of House Sladke, Jake of House Hollyfield, Andy of House Pollock, Michael of House Sladke, Justin of House St. Peter, Steve of House Ellinger, Garrett of House Sturkin, and Will of House Larson. Welcome into the For the Throne Dynasty podcast. On this episode of the For the Throne Dynasty podcast, we are going to be breaking down Team Lamar and Friends, the runner-up from last season, a.k.a. Ryan. Obviously, we have a lot of good things to talk about with Ryan's team, just like Randy's coming off the champ. We're not looking at the runner-up. He definitely had it in his grasp to win the title. Weirdly enough, we talked last week about Randy only drafting 22 players in his veterans draft. On the other side, though, Ryan drafted 27, and in our veterans draft, we only had 25 roster spots. So he drafted two over the maximum. I think that came, remember last week we were kind of worried. We're like, where the hell is Ryan benefiting from these trades with Randy? Well, he definitely must have made some trades to put him over the threshold of 25 picks. Mm -hmm. That's why he has 27. He started off his draft. He was in the 10 spot, and he drafted Devontae Adams with his first pick. Devontae Adams, when healthy, was a stud. He was on pace when healthy to be one of the top wide receivers, like always, in the NFL. And then with his second pick, then he traded it away. So last week we talked about that with Randy. He wanted Delvin Cook bad. That is how... Randy actually got Delvin Cook. Mm -hmm. So if we look at the third round then, at 309, Ryan took Leonard Fournette, and then at 310, he took Zach Ertz. So he had back-to-back picks. One of those definitely came in the Delvin Cook deal for sure. At 403 then, he took Kenny Galladay, and then guess what? He had back-to-back picks once again in the fifth round. Kenyon Drake and DJ Moore. One thing I noticed when we were looking at his draft from last year is a lot of these players that he's getting in this range, he didn't cut any of them. They're all still studs, and they were really, really good through the entire season. Kenyon Drake is one I really, really want to highlight on because he's now in Arizona. He was traded over away from Adam Gaze, uh, who was with Miami, and He's going to be the feature back with the Cardinals. He is outstanding out of the passing game. I expect huge things from Kenyon Drake this year. I know a lot of fantasy analysts are hyping him up beyond belief. And then DJ Moore, I love DJ Moore. Man, he is young. He's going to be hyper-targeted this year with Teddy Bridgewater being there now. Teddy's never been really a guy to air it out, I feel like. He's very conservative. He doesn't like turning the ball over a lot. When he's with Minnesota, he kind of showed that as well. Yeah, those first six picks, I mean, one of them, we'll talk about why he's no longer on his team, but those first six picks are going to be the basis of why this team made the championship game last year and is going to be a strong contender again this year. A lot of young guys that are really in great fantasy spots 
and a lot of those guys you'd be killing for to have them on your team. So if we look at those first six picks, Davante Adams is no longer with them, as we just mentioned. But let's just imagine this. Devontae Adams is now Alvin Kamara. So he's got those as his first six picks. He is stacked. He's ready to go. Mm-hmm. He didn't really lose much much steam going forward. 6.03 then, he took Corey Davis. 8.03 then, we got David Njoku. 9.05, Sam Darnold. 9.10, we got Anthony Miller. And then comes the sleeper of the draft. Probably the best sleeper right in front of DJ Chark, who Jake took in like the 20th round. Lamar Jackson goes in the 10th round. My God. That is ridiculous. I, Looking back, I had no idea how he slid that far. But going into the year, no one thought that he was going to be this incredible fantasy god QB. They thought he was going to be a solid guy. Getting him in the 10th round after he already took Sam Darnold to be his projected starter. Oh, my God, did he get a steal. 11-10, then he took Deontay Foreman, who has been injured a lot. He's currently a free agent, so no longer with the team. 12-03, then he got Deshaun Hamilton, who he recently got rid of as well. 12-08, Kiki QT, And then 13-10, Kalen Balage. Uh, yikes. He had a lot of hype around him because he was the feature back with the Dolphins. I guess you'll call him a feature back. His effective running rate was ridiculous. He was averaging around like 0.4 yards a carry, which is disgusting. Yep, it is. 14.03, we got your boy John Johnson there from the Rams. He's a DB. 15.10, Christian Kirkies. Or 15, <laughs> 15.10, we got Christian Kirksey. 16.03, we got Akeem Hicks. 17.10, Matthew Stafford. I think that's really good value as well yeah. for a vet quarterback. That's good. Mm-hmm. 1803 Chris Thompson, who's not with his team. I think you have him, right? That's a good that's a good player right now. Uh, 1910, we got Alc Ogletree. 2003, Elijah McGuire. 2110, Brett Maher. 2203, Eric Kendricks, who he still has. Uh, he had a hell of a year last yeah, year. Yeah, and that was a good pick for an IDP. 2310, Trey Quinn. 2403, Alfred Blue. 2510, Josh Doxson. 13 out of 27 drafted players still in the roster, so about 50% average. That's, yep. not, that's pretty good, too. About 50%, whether it be he picked him up from waivers or traded. Um, interesting there. Now, his rookie draft, he had three picks, and he actually traded his first away to Rowdy, and Rowdy ended up taking Paris Campbell, who is now with me, in the first round. Paris Campbell really had a red shirt year. He didn't play much at all. So Ryan does not get a first-round pick. Looking at the rest of his draft, then it's kind of ugly, mm-hmm. to be honest. 202, he took Justice Hill. He gave him away to me. 311, then we got Ryquel Armstead. 402, then we got Miles Boykin. So he still has Armstead and Boykin on his roster. Don't really see the point of him having Boykin at all. Ryquel Armstead, his, though. He loves his Notre Dame guys. Yeah, <laughs> he does. Ryquel Armstead, though, he is the quote-unquote handcuff for Leonard Fournette, so I think he's going to hold on to him until uh, either next year, uh, but we could see. He might cut him. Who knows? Let's get into his depth chart then. So if we look at his depth chart, quarterbacks, unbelievably beastly. He's got Lamar Jackson as a starting quarterback and Matthew Stafford. Third string then, we got Sam Darnold, so three awesome starting quarterbacks. Yeah, you got exactly what you want. You got the MVP. 
you got Matthew Stafford, who before he got hurt last year, people do forget that he was playing at like an MVP level. Like he was incredible last year. And Matthew Stafford is going to be the QB going forward for a while. And Darnold is a young flyer. Um, he had a pretty rough last year when he got uh, mono and going behind that Jets line. But I still think he could be a solid QB of the future in the future and another young guy to go with Lamar Jackson. So he is set. Let's look at his running backs and a lot of his bench. They're handcuffed type guys. So we start at the top with Alvin Kamara, Kenyon Drake, and Leonard Fournette. I can see him starting all three of those on like a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. All three are great. Uh, Leonard Fournette. It's crazy that the Jaguars are trying to tra- trade him for like a box of peanut or bag of peanuts, and no one was taking him. Um, he's going to have one more good year, and we'll see where he goes from there. But those three are all starting very good running backs. Now I'm really, really curious to see what Ryan does with Leonard Fournette moving forward because he's going to be a free agent this year. Mm-hmm. Guess what? So is Kenyon Drake. So is Alvin Kamara. So all three of his running backs at the top are going to be free agents. I would say Kamara, at the minimum, should be receiving, like, a starting job if he doesn't stay with the Saints. The other two, we'll kind of see. Like, Leonard Fournette, he's kind of a head case. Mm-hmm. But he's hurt all the time. He's hurt all the time, and he's not as effective as running back as you think. Um, he Yards per carry is not that great. It's just he gets volume, and that's why he's a starting running back in fantasy and both in the NFL right now. And his draft position, getting drafted in the first five picks overall. Now, Kenyon... Now, Leonard Fournette, he was involved a ton in the passing game last year. But realistically, it's because they had no one behind him. When he was healthy with the Redskins at the time, Chris Thompson was an outstanding passing running back with the Redskins. Honestly, one of the better ones in the league. Yep, James White level. Yeah, and now he's with Jacksonville, so we'll kind of see what his impact is. I like Chris Thompson a lot as just a player and as a pass catcher. So Fournette, I think his passing game work is going to go down a little bit. Who knows how much that's going to be. So then other running backs he has of note are Chase Edmonds, who is his handcuff for Kenyon Drake. I like Chase Edmonds. Boston Scott, I think he actually has, on bye weeks, some decent flex appeal, which is weird because Miles Sanders, I think, is going to completely break out. But Boston Scott is in that category, again, of a really, really good pass catching back. He's also got Giovanni Bernard. Here we go again, another pass-catching running back with Cincinnati. Now, at the beginning of the year, Mixon was threatening to hold out. I'm like, holy crap, Ryan's going to have another starting running back with Giovanni Bernard. Uh, But I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. Kind of an interesting guy if Mixon would go down. He's got Ryquel Armstead. He just dropped $15 on Peyton Barber, the new running back for the Washington football team. Uh, And then on his tax, he's got three guys in Eno Benjamin, LaMichael P. Ryan and Jason Huntley. He took all three of those guys, I believe, with either late third-round or fourth-round picks. Any thoughts on any of those guys? Um, I know you're sad that you got rid of Chase Edmonds for a smaller amount, which we'll eventually talk about, but Chase Edmonds is a top handcuff. Boston Scott's going to get some um, good snaps. Giovanni Bernard used to be the starter in Cincinnati, and if Joe Mixon, who he missed, he's missed some games each of the past few years, uh, if, you, if Joe Mixon goes down, he's got another must-start running back just sitting there. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with Peyton Barber and Raquel. If Fournette adds anything happen to him, he's got Raquel just waiting in the rings. And I have no idea about all of his taxi guys. They're, <laughs> just, they're, they're, they're on his roster. We'll say that. <laughs> now with his wide receivers. So we got DJ Moore and Kenny Galladay being his weekly starters. But he just added another guy to the rotation. It's Chark Week. DJ Chark. <laughs> 
coming over from Cascade Bear as his third wide receiver should be another weekly start. Anthony Miller, kind of an interesting option there with the Chicago Bears. At the end of the season, I want you, if you're listening, to go and look at Anthony Miller's last three weeks before week 17. He was on an absolute tear, and I have no clue why it was, but he showed a lot of promise there. Chicago views very highly of him as being their wide receiver, too, right behind Allen Robinson. We'll see what happens in in this year. T. Higgins, he recently drafted. Being the Cincinnati, he is going to be the next A.J. Green, according to their organization. He's a guy that he's lean. He gets up. We saw it with Clemson. Great deep threat. And uh, we'll see what happens in year one in that pass-heavy offense with Joe Burrow. And then we got Cole Beasley, who's actually a, sl- a sneaky bi-week type guy that could fill right in uh, in the flex spots with the Buffalo Bills. We got Kendrick Bourne, another interesting name, because who knows he's going to be the wide receiver one with San Francisco with Debo being injured. Is it going to be Brandon Ayuk, who's their rookie? Is it going to be Trent Taylor, Kendrick Bourne, etc.? We'll see what happens. Kiki QT as well. Uh, and then he's got Gabriel Davis on his taxi. Miles Boykin and Joe Reed, the rookie with the Chargers. Any of those names stick out to you? Well, those first five guys are all, especially the top three. The top three are must starts first, and then Anthony Miller and T. Higgins, and even Cole Beasley in there. All three of those guys could be weekly starters, depending on matchups, um, if he needs them for any depth pieces. Those are all really, really good guys. Kendrick Bourne is their under is the underneath weapon for the 49ers. Um, I was reading some other articles about him the other day, like, the 49ers offense in general, and they were saying that he was their go-to third um, third down target. So Bourne could get a, be a bigger household name next year. We'll see. And the rest of the guys, I, I, I don't really know. But he, the top six, seven guys are all really, really strong. So he the back end of his receiver's depth is not great. But when you have six, seven guys you can start on a weekly basis, you're doing really, really well. Sure. Now, tight end, I think he's in almost an identical situation as me in the fact that he has three tight ends that have good value. Now, I think his are his three are better than mine. I have Kelsey. He has Ertz. But then after Ertz, he has Mike Gesicki, who's the starting tight end for the Miami Dolphins, and they're projecting him to have a breakout season. David Njoku as well. Now, it sucks because the Browns, he was looking like he was going to be the guy moving forward for the tight end room. And then they went out and they got Austin Hooper. Now, David Njoku previously requested a trade, but I have no clue what happened. He mended the relationship with the Cleveland Browns, and now he's super excited to be in the system. I think they're going to run a lot of uh, a lot of three tight end sets. So that could make sense for you know why he's excited about it. We'll see what happens. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, if he stays with Cleveland or if he goes elsewhere. Adam Shaheen is a guy that he just picked up. He's a backup for Mike Gesicki. Is he handcuffing Mike Gesicki? <laughs> I think so. He loves his handcuffs for running back, so why not go get a handcuff for his backup tight end? And he came from the Chicago system, so you know damn well he's a great he's a great tight end. <laughs> well, they're they're twelve at one point, I think it was. Yeah, okay. He was a bust in Chicago, so I'm not even sure why he has any fantasy value at this point. So then for kickers, he has Zane Gonzalez, and then he also has a handcuff for his kicker. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Zane Gonzalez is a kicker with the Cardinals. They should have a pretty solid offense. I think that should be a really good start. Looking at his IDPs, at defensive line, he's got the man up front in Chase Young. 
probably the best college football prospect in quite some time. Uh, and then we also got Dante Fowler. And then we also got Eric Armstead. For his linebackers, we got Eric Kendricks, Jamie Collins, and James Burgess. And then for defensive backs, we only have one, and that's John Johnson. Any thoughts on those IDPs? His top two defensive linemen and linebackers match up well with just about anybody in the league. All those those guys can go off at any time. Eric Kendricks had a real and Jamie Collins had a really sneaky year as well. How good they were last year. Both of them were all, uh, Pro Bowlers. Chase Young is the top prospect in a long in NFL drafts in a long time. Dante Fowler is going to be at some good potential. I don't know who the fuck John Johnson is. You could just <laughs> tell him he was in the Rams before this. So, well, he probably needs some depth beyond those guys. Armstead and Burgess, they probably aren't going to even play. So, looking at his picks then, in 2021, he has a first, his own. He has a fourth, which is Jake's. He has a fifth, a sixth. So, he only has four picks. One really of note. 2022 then, he's got a first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. 2023, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. You think he's going to package any of these picks together or try to improve his roster? I mean, like, where could he improve? Um, I'd say IDPs at the most. Yeah. Maybe I, his flex, but the flex guys that he has right now are freaking beasts. So it's like, does he want to go ahead and get it and then have to shove one of those flex guys to his bench? I think maybe one of the maybe maybe a running back just because all three of his top guys are going to be free agents this sure. year and you don't really know where they're going to be next year. But at the same time, he is set for this year. It's more of like for the future kind of stuff or if one of his big guys gets hurt. So Ryan's going to have to cut five guys, and I'm going to start with mine. Now, I'll say right now, I would tell him immediately, I would cut Jason Huntley, who was his fourth-round pick and was Mr. Irrelevant, because I don't think he's going to have any long-term future at all with the Detroit Lions. However, he spent a draft pick on him. If you're cutting guys that you just drafted, it kind of looks foolish, to be honest. Now, next year in like your fifth and sixth round picks, when we add two more rounds, then I can kind of see it because now you're taking, you know, probably IDPs or some free agent. Mm-hmm. But right now, uh, I would say he should probably keep him because he's on his taxi squad. He's not on his actual roster. So my five actual cuts would be Miles Boykin. Uh, even though he was a rookie last year for Ryan on his taxi, he did nothing. Eric Armstead, uh, who he recently picked up. Joe Reed, who is a rookie wide receiver for the Chargers. But I'll tell you right now just due to my research and what I know from the followers. He's going to be a special teams guy, unless he wants to put him on the taxi. It's kind of up to him. Adam Shaheen, I don't think he needs to handcuff his tight end. <laughs> no, <laughs> then, handcuff his backup tight end. Yeah, And then Kiki QT is my fifth advice cut. Who are yours? Kiki QT, Texans drafted two years ago, and they keep trading or adding guys to, to have him not play. So I, I don't think Bill O'Brien gives a shit about QT. I, I'd be amazed if he's on the roster at the end of the year, um, going into next year. Uh, Joe Reed, unless he switches him onto his taxi because he is a rookie, um, I see him as an easy cut. Armstead he just picked up, and he's got Chase Young or Dante Fowler, and Chase Young is probably going to be a must-start from the beginning, and I don't see him dra- starting two defensive linemen. Uh, Shaheen, no, you don't need to back up or handcuff your tight end. And then I have the last one being James Burgess, just because I, I had never heard of James Burgess until we were going into this podcast. And he also has Jamie Collins and Eric Kendricks, who are both starting 
uh, linebackers each week. Unless one of those guys goes down, he has no use for James Burgess. We're going to be right back to talk about some commentary about Ryan slash Joe's team. What's he saying? He says yes. You shall have a golden crown that men shall tremble to behold. Well, that was all I wanted. So we have a couple notes here that we want to talk about and just some commentary and things that we noticed about last year and then also some things that we kind of need to think about moving forward with his team. So my first question is, where the hell would his team be without Lamar? No, I'm just kidding. His team's really freaking stacked. But really, like we're going to talk about some of Lamar's weekly performances last year. He carried him in like every single matchup. Lamar was his top scorer 12 out of the 15 weeks in fantasy football last year. That doesn't happen in fantasy football. You always, like, you have your top guys, and they'll give you, like, five, six, seven top scoring, but not 12. That It was just insane. I don't even know. He started Matt Stafford two weeks, one of them being the bye week for Lamar, I'm assuming. And I don't even know why he started Matt Stafford that other week. Like, Lamar is a monster. He literally has one DB on his roster, John Johnson. I know you don't know who he is. He's with the Rams. Uh, but he probably needs to address this for the midseason. Does he need to do it right now? Not necessarily. Uh, I also think that he clapped Andy in that Gasicki trade. I Was there even a discussion that happened, or did he just send it and Andy just accept it? I think this was mid-Andy trying to acquire as many picks as she possibly could. So we'll see who that third-round pick is that Andy actually got from Ryan. Over the offseason, Ryan was telling me about how much he loved Darius Slayton, and I had offered him in a, pre- a couple different drafts, uh, trades. He's like, nah, man, I love this guy so much. He's going to be really, really good. And then he traded him. <laughs> so <laughs> apparently he liked whoever he got. Um, I believe, DJ Chark. Yeah, I believe he traded Slayton and um, Sorry, Michelle. for DJ Chark. And I agree that DJ Chark is a much better player, but he was really hyping up Slayton for so long that I kind of feel bad for him now. I think both myself and I, and Ryan have the top two QB rooms in the Fort of Throne League this year. Um, myself with Prescott and Kyler starting week to week and the weapon in Taysom Hill. Um, and then he has Darnold, who is going to be a starter. We don't know what his potential is going to be. But then he has Stafford, who's an MVP candidate, and Lamar Jackson, the literal MVP that carries his team. Um, his QB room is ridiculous. I know that we think it's a very even trade, and I 100% agree that it was an even trade between you and Ryan where you got Devonta Adams and then he got Kamara. The only problem on your end is it did deplete your running back depth, and I know you will rightfully admit that. I mean, you did get John Hunt, Jonathan Taylor, but probably your running back two on a weekly basis is going to be, what, Tariq Cohen, Philip like Lindsay? Yeah. So unless you would make a trade that would really help your team, it depleted you at the running back, helped him at the running back, and – the good thing on Ryan's end, why I bring this up, is he had the wide receiver depth to do that move. So now he's got Kenny Galladay and DJ Moore. I think they're going to be studs for the next, what, five years? Mm-hmm. So that's good on his end to go ahead and get one of those top-tier running backs right now. We know running back shelf lives aren't long. So 
From my perspective, yeah, I'd lost Kamara, and I was like, oh, damn. I, I lost my top guy in running back, and I don't have that much depth behind him. But at the same time, I went and got one of my favorite players uh, in Devontae Adams on my team, and he's a top 10 fantasy receiver when healthy. And then I got a first-round pick for him that I packaged to go up and get Jonathan Taylor. I, I love what I did with it, but I'm sad to see Kamara go. Ryan loves his handcuffs. Um, he's got multiple like pass-catching handcuffs in there. He's got a couple of handcuffs for his own guys. He even as a handcuff for his backup tight end. His team name could literally be Lamar and the Handcuffs, <laughs> and I think that would work out pretty well. I, I like the rivalry that between him and Will that is slowly brewing now after he picked Will to uh, take on the playoffs um, last year. Uh, I want to see a side bet on that matchup. I think that'd be that'd be some good shit talking that week. Now I know he's from Huntley High. That's where he went to high school. That's where he grew up and stuff. And there is no question in my mind that he took Jason Huntley with Mister Relevant pick just due to the last name. Thinking about it, he could have had could have Quintez Cephas or Lynn Bowden. Mm-hmm. So. Those are two really, really good fourth-round picks that I can't believe slipped through the cracks. Lions, their running back depth has always been so questionable. It could end up being like a sneaky pick, uh, but I'm curious why he didn't take Lynn Bowden or Quintus Cephas, who were very highly looked-upon prospects. Thanks, Ryan. Got them both. <laughs> In his top three at running back and wide receivers, his those week-to-week guys, as long as they stay healthy, he is stacked in his flex options. The backups, he's got some good backup wide receivers for a couple. All of his running backs are handcuffs, and all the rest of his wide receiver depth is not great. But those top three guys, both running backs and wide receivers, week to week, they're going to win him games even if he doesn't start Lamar for some dumb reason because Lamar's got to start every week. He also is relying on a lot of Jags. Uh, shout out, Mike. Um, we'll see how that works because the Jags have no offensive line, no defense, and I love Gardner, but I don't know how he's going to do this year. Shout out, Jake. Cascade Bear. Take this L, bitch. So Jake actually traded away DJ Chark in exchange for Sony Michelle, who, by the way, news just came out yesterday. He's probably going to the pub because they just signed uh, Lamar Miller, actually, mm-hmm. on the Patriots. And then also Darius Slayton. So let's think about it at the moment of, like, Slayton plus half of a player in Michelle. Uh, we'll see. I know I know. Jake loves running backs, but Chark was one of my favorite prospects. I had previously talked to Jake about prob- of potentially trading away DeAndre Hopkins for Calvin Ridley and DJ Chark. I do not like that trade at all. On Jake's end, I love that trade for Ryan. Yeah, um, we talked about it before with how much he loved Slayton. So he do- he lost a good guy that Ryan loved, but he made a huge upgrade in that position. We have to hope that Elvin Kamara stays healthy this year. Um, injuries, injury of Kamara for me last year really hurt me because I didn't have the depth to recover from it. Um, he does, uh, as long as some of his handcuffs or his pass-catching running backs get something. But he has enough wide receiver depth in the flex spots to also cover that. But Kamara is a top 10 guy, if healthy. And he really needs a good bounce back year. Uh, and he also has multiple Arizona running backs with um, Trini Drake, who everyone thinks is going to have a hell of a year, and the top, one of the top handcuffs in Edmonds. Uh, in that Cliff Kingsbury offense, now that they have three great wide receivers, they just got to keep hoping that Arizona is going to continue to excel at running the football, which I think they will. Um, that 
offense is going to be ridiculous. But you just got to hope that that's, that stays that case because of all the good receivers that they have. I think I should have given Edmonds away for like a third. And I got a fourth from Ryan. I don't even know if Ryan had a third at that point. I gave away Chase Edmonds for a fourth in Justice Hill. I feel like I could have got a third. I'm more annoyed that I traded away Tony Pollard for a fourth. But with Edmonds, I think I could have got, you know, one of the top pros, you know, top handcuffs to the team that has the starting running back. I'll take the L on that. Uh, that's a big L on my part. With Zach Ertz as a starting tight end, as long as Ertz is healthy and Ertz has a checkered injury history, Ertz is the top five tight end in fantasy football. He is a target hog. He will get all the passes from Carson Wentz. Um, even with Goddard there, Ertz is crazy amount of targets. So he is a, like a pretty much a must-start as long as he's healthy. But then he also has Kasiki, and he also has uh, Njoku, who's still got a fantasy potential. So he's pretty set at tight end. Now a question that we both have, does Ryan run the team? Or does Joe run the team? <laughs> and it's funny because I was asking this question and you already had it typed in. Mm-hmm. Well, I know Amelia Clark, he was the one that originally brought this up, a.k.a. Randy. So Randy was telling me, you know, that he had had talks with Joe and he had talks with Ryan. And it seemed like they were both crossing paths about some players on Ryan's team. And then for me, it was like, okay. So I asked Ryan his opinion back. I was trying to trade Saquon, taking feelers on Saquon. So I asked Ryan, and we had been talking about like a a Camara plus DJ Moore for Saquon. I'm like, all right, that's a really good deal for both of us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were talking about it, and I asked, you know, what's your opinion on DJ Moore? And I remember Ryan specifically said, DJ Moore is a top nine asset in fantasy. And two weeks before that, I was talking to Joe about Ryan's team and how good it is. And he said, yeah, I think I think DJ Moore is a top eight asset in fantasy. I know Ryan specifically told me that Darius Slayton, and this was an absolute steal by Ryan. So good thing on his end. Darius Slayton was undrafted in our original rookie draft. And Joe told him, you should go pick up this guy and put him on your taxi. Well, he had him on his taxi, and he brought him up because Slayton kind of broke out at the beginning. Obviously, no hard feelings at all. You know, we'd love to have Joe the Statistical Truth, a.k.a. Joe Wonder Sports. Uh, He was a fly in the wall of our our rookie draft, so we'd love to hear him, you know, tune in on our league. Also, Ryan was one Fred Warner touchdown away from a fantasy title. Fred Warner had an interception for a touchdown at the end of his game for the 49ers, and that gave Randy the victory. They were nearly deadlocked at that point. And Randy picked up Fred Warner the week of the championship to put into an IDP spot. That's execution at its finest. Ryan has really good defensive linemen, um, including Chase Chase Young. Um, At least Dante Fowler and Chase Young are potential must-starts every week. Um, and then Eric Armstead, who he's probably going to have to cut, but he's still a pretty solid player. His taxi squad is pretty weak going in this year. It's a really small gripe with how good his team is, and he didn't have that many picks. Um, he's got Jason Huntley, we've already mentioned. We're not even sure if he's going to have a role with the Lions. Eno Benjamin. Not only does he have Kenyon Drake, he has Kenyon Drake's handcuff, Chase Edmonds, and he also has Chase Edmonds' handcuff in EJ Eno <laughs> Benjamin. He's got LaMichael P. Ryan. Uh, the Jets as in the taxi, maybe something, who knows. And Gabriel Davis, the Bills, uh, he's probably not going to have much of a role this year, but potentially that could be something. His taxi squad's a little weak compared to others, that's all I'm saying. 
will his team be like previous Super Bowl losers and kind of crash and burn? In the NFL, typically when you lose a Super Bowl, unless you're the Patriots, you, you pretty much don't make the playoffs the following year. I don't think that's in the case. I there's zero percent chance yeah, he 0%. misses the playoffs. There, he's not missing the playoffs. I just thought that <laughs> was a funny question to bring up. We're going to be right back to talk about the 2019 season of Prince Palmer. If he gets what he wants, I expect he'll be a better ruler than the fools sitting on the Iron Throne the last hundred years. But I'll never serve him. He told me you weren't here to conquer. He told me your people have bled enough. That's right. I don't want them bleeding for Stannis Baratheon either. You spent your life convincing 90 clans to come together for the first time in history. Thens and Ornfoots. The Ice River clans, even the giants. A life's work uniting them. He didn't do it for power. He didn't do it for glory. You brought them together to save them because none of them have survived the winter, not if they're north of the wall. Let's talk about Ryan's 2019 season. Ryan had a four-game win streak. He had a three-game win streak and a two-game win streak. He had a two-game losing streak, but outside of that, pretty flawless so in week one ryan played against jake and he won by about seven points his leading score was lamar jackson you'll be hearing that a lot with 43.5 points jake's leading score was ty hilton with 28.7 ryan moved to one and oh in week two ryan beat rowdy by 60 points Ryan's leading scorer was Lamar Jackson by 34.8. Rowdy's leading scorer was Tyler Boyd by 22.2. Ryan moved to 2-0. and In week 3, Ryan lost to Will by 38 points. Ryan's leading scorer was Lamar Jackson with 21.2. And Will's leading scorer was Austin Hooper with 24.6. Ryan moved to 2-1. and In week 4, Ryan played against Justin and beat you by 63 Lamar Jackson was his leading scorer with 30.4, and Justin's leading scorer was Austin Eckler, rest in peace, with 29.2. Ryan moved to 3-1. In week 5, Ryan beat Taco. By only 5 points, his leading scorer was Leonard Fournette. So this is the first week without Lamar. With 24.7, Taco's leading scorer was Jared Goff with 19.9. Ryan moved to 4-1. In week 6, Ryan beat Andy by 44. Ryan's leading scorer was Lamar Jackson with 30.6. Andy's leading scorer was Christian McCaffrey with 21.7. Ryan moved to 5-1. and one. In Week 7, Ryan played against Stirk Daddy and lost by 75. Ryan's leading scorer was Lamar Jackson with 23.3. Garrett's leading scorer was Darren Waller with 31.6. Ryan moved to 5-2. and two. In Week 8, Ryan played against Tyler and lost by 13. That's a backflip. Ryan's leading scorer was Matthew Stafford with 29.3. Tyler's leading scorer was Latavius Murray Beastmo with 36.7. Ryan moved to 5-3. In week 9, Ryan beat Logan by a score of 47. Ryan's leading scorer was Matthew Stafford with 30.8. Logan's leading scorer was Matt Moore by 17. Ryan moved to 6-3. In week 10, Ryan beat Randy by 12. Ryan's leading scorer was Lamar Jackson with 39.4. Randy's leading scorer was Delvin Cook with 31.3. Ryan moved to 7-3. In week 11, Ryan beat D. Sladke by 16. Ryan's leading scorer was Lamar Jackson with 40.7. D. 
Slatke's leading scorer was Stefan Diggs with 23.1. Ryan moved to 8 and 3. In week 12, Ryan beat Jake again, so he swept him. He beat him by 91. What Ryan, was the score in that game? <laughs> 209 to 118. Ryan's leading score was Lamar Jackson with 46.2. Jake's leading score was Baker Mayfield with 29.5. Ryan moved to 9 and 3. In his last regular season game, Ryan lost to Rowdy by 4 points. Ryan's leading score was Devontae Adams with 24.4. Rowdy's leading score was Allen Robinson with 22.6. Ryan moved to 9 and 4. In the semifinals, Ryan chose as the one seed to play against Will, and he beat Will by 41. Ryan's leading scorer was Lamar Jackson with 47. Will's leading scorer was Michael Thomas with 30.8. Ryan moved on to the championship against Amelia Clark Fan. In the championship, Ryan lost by 6 points. So previously I had said 8 points. He only lost by 6. Thanks, Fred Warner. So Ryan's leading scorer was Lamar Jackson with 36.8. Randy's leading scorer was Julio Jones with 27.6. With this being said, Ryan was the runner-up to the fourth throne inaugural season. We're going to be right back to talk about the 2020 season of Prince Palmer. Joffrey. Cersei. Walter Frey. Meryn Trant. Tywin Lannister, the Red Woman, Beric Dondarrion, Thoros of Myr, Ilim Payne, the Mountain. Would you shut up? Let's talk about Ryan's upcoming season. So on week one, Ryan plays against Little Slads. Sleeper is projecting that Ryan wins by eight points. At the running back, Ryan, of course, has Alvin Kamara and Kenyon Drake. Michael has Derrick Henry and Todd Gurley. Looking at the rosters here, in the flex, Little Slads has Terry McLaurin and Robert Woods. Ryan has Leonard Fournette and DJ Chark. Go Jaguars. With this being said, Ryan moves to 1-0. and oh. In week two, Ryan is playing against Jake. Sleepers projecting that he wins by 8.6. Looking at some of the players here, Jake has Devin Singletary as his running back two and Mike Williams as his wide receiver two. In the flex, (laughs) Jake has Aaron Jones and Greg Olson as his second flex. Uh, And then a young hoe named Koo as his kicker. With this being said, Ryan moves to 2-0. In week three, Ryan is playing against Andy. Sleepers projecting Ryan to win by 32.2. Looking at Andy's running backs, of course, she has her studs in Zach Moss and DeAndre Swift. Ryan has Kamara and Fournette. So in the flex, then, Andy has Nikhil Harry and John Brown, and then Ryan has Kenyon Drake and Kenny Galladay. With this being said, Ryan would move to 3-0 on the year. In week four, Ryan is playing against Justin. Sleepers projecting a 15-point win. Justin has his running backs being Cam Akers and Tariq Cohen. Jace Sternberger being his tight end, and his flexes being Devontae Parker and Sammy Watkins. Ryan has his usual studs, and then with this being said, Sleeper is putting Ryan at 4-0. In week 5, 
Ryan is playing against Logan, and Sleeper's projecting that Ryan wins by 4.2. Looking at some of the players that are available in the flex, Ryan's going to have Leonard Fournette and Anthony Miller. I am going to have A.J. Green and Jerry Judy. Taking a step backwards here, on by, Ryan is going to have Kenny Galladay, Matthew Stafford, and Jamie Collins. Sleeper is projecting that Ryan will move to 5-0 and on the season. In week 6, Ryan is playing against Will. Ryan only has one player on by, but it's a mighty big one, Alvin Kamara. Sleeper is projecting that Ryan is going to beat Will by .25 points. In his running backs, Ryan's going to have Fournette and Drake. Ryan will ha- Will will have Eckler and Bell. Looking at Will's wide receivers, he's got Larry Fitzgerald, and at tight end, he's got Tyler Higby. At the flex, Will has Jordan Howard and Tevin Coleman. Ryan has DJ Chark and Cole Beasley. After this matchup, Ryan would move to 6-0 and on the season. In Week 7, Ryan is playing against Stark Daddy. Sleeper is projecting Ryan to lose by 5.4. Players on bye for Ryan? His Jags, Leonard Fournette and DJ Chark, plus Eric Kendricks. Looking at starters here, Stirk is stacked. He's got David Johnson and Josh Jacobs in his flex. Ryan, on the other hand, his flex, Anthony Miller and Cole Beasley. After this matchup, Ryan would move to 6-1 and one on the season. I'm going to kick it to Justin for week 8. On week 8, Ryan goes through by week hell. Um, he's going to lose Lamar, Kenyon Drake, his kicker, which he doesn't have a kicker for this matchup currently. Obviously, he'll pick one up. Uh, Chase Young, Chase Edmonds, Chase or Chase Squared, uh, Peyton Barber, Miles Boykin, who he might be cutting, and Kiki Huti, who he might be cutting. But still, he's losing four to five starters right there. Um, with that, he's going to lose to Danny 158.7 to 149.2, according to Sleeper, by 9.4. Ryan would start Sam Darnold at QB and would have DJ Chark and Anthony Miller in his flex spots, would not be starting a kicker, and would lose to Danny, who has Christian McCaffrey, CEH, Jarvis Landry, Stefan Diggs, Mostert, and Matt Breida. So... If Ryan catches Danny in a week of full strength, I think Ryan easily wins. But this bye week hell is going to kill him and bring him to 6-2 and two on the year. In week 9, Ryan has also quite a bit of bye weeks all over again. Uh, this one, he still is projected to beat Tyler by 32 points in 163-130. to 130. Ryan loses Zach Ertz, John Johnson, Dio Bernard, Boston Scott, T. Higgins, and David Njoku. Um, to bye weeks that week. Oh, so two starters and a lot of depth pieces, and one potential person who could step in for Ertz as well. Um, Ryan would get Lamar back. He'd have Elvin Kamara, Kenyon Drake, DJ Chark, and DJ Moore, Kasiki, Fournette, and Galladay. Uh, and he wouldn't have a starting defensive back since he only has one. That's where we'd say he had to go pick up a DB for that matchup. And even without one, he still has a 32 point win over Tyler. So after week nine, he'd be seven and two. Ryan is projected to beat Spaceballs by 13.7, 165.9 to 152.1. Ryan would only lose Dante Fowler and depth piece Joe Reed, who we might be cutting to buy that week. Um, so we'd have all of his usual suspects in the lineup. Spaceballs would have Mark Ingram and Duke Johnson at running back, 
and his flexes would be Brandon Ayuk and Tyler Boyd. After week 10, according to Sleeper, Ryan would be 8-2. In week 11, Ryan also has quite a bit of buys. Um, he would be losing Sam Darnold, Kendrick Bourne, Cole Beasley, Anthony Miller, Adam Shaheen, Mike Gesicki, or Mike Gesick as Logan has listed on his <laughs> roster, <laughs> Eric Armstead, and James Burgess. He is projected to lose to defending champ Randy by 7.5, uh, 167 to 159.5 in a rematch of last year's championship. Even though Randy does not have a starting defensive back, Ryan would have all of his normal starters, and Randy would have Russell Wilson, Delvin Cook, Miles Sanders, Julio Jones, Odell, Dallas Goddard, Nick Chubb, and Mike Evans. That is a stacked matchup, and you can see why both teams are very, very good. So after this close loss, Ryan would be 8-3. We're moving to Week 12, where I still have to say every time, I have no idea why the NFL does not have any bye weeks in Week 12. Despite that, Ryan has all of his usual suspects in the lineup and wins by 8 over Michael, 165 to 156.9. Michael would be starting Derrick Henry, Todd Gurley, Tyreek Hill, Cortland Sutton, Sterling Shepard, and Robert Woods, while Ryan gets all of his usual guys in Elvin Kamara, Leonard Fournette, Kenny Galladay, both DJs, and Kenyon Drake. After week 12, Ryan would be 9-3. and three. We move on to week 13, where Ryan also lost last year and is projected to lose to Jake this year by .6, 156.2-155.6. His only buy that week is one of his starters in DJ Moore. According to Sleeper, they think he should start both tight ends in Zach Ertz and Mike Gesicki, or Gesick. Jake would be starting Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, T.Y. Hilton, Calvin Ridley, uh, Devin Singletary and Debo Samuel. So that was a really, really close matchup, and we'll go back, go to our predictions next. But Sleeper has them losing it and being nine and four in the season, and which would make him one of the top seeds going into the playoffs. He is going to be one of the top teams. He was nine and four on the season last year, and he was the number one seed. So it's not going to take much for him to be a one or two seed with a bye. Now we do not have the ability to pick your opponent if you're the number one seed. So with that being said, as long as you can get a top two seed, you're going to get a bye, which is great. My projection for Ryan is going to be 9-4 and four as well. So I think he's going to repeat on next year. What about you? Uh, I, I think there's a couple of those close matchups that I think could swing his way, and I think he could be 10-3. 9-4 and four is... Probably eight and five is his is his uh, floor with the roster that he has. As long as he doesn't get destroyed by injuries, but I think ten and three is what he could get to at towards the end, at the end of the year. So it's looking like a really really bright season for him. Next week we're going to be talking about D Sladkey's team, and D Sladkey had by far the biggest off season move from our league. Look forward to talking about D. Sladke's team and his stud running backs at the top. We'll see you next week.